Today's podcast is presented by Anode Designs in Anaconda. Anode Designs is your one-stop shop for printing, embroidering, and sign creation. It is also home of the Mac Daddy t-shirt. You want to wear a shirt to make fun of that clown wannabe sportscaster Missoula? Go to anodesigns.com. You can get the original Mac Daddy t-shirt or the Meet Me in Rocker Clown Car edition. Stop by at 421 East Park Street in Anaconda or call 406-563-0121. Anode Designs is locally owned by Melissa and Blake Hempstead, the Mac Daddy of the Smelter City. Now, let's get the show started. Welcome to the Butte Cast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world, Butte, America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad, Bill Foley. I've always looked at Anaconda as Butte's little brother. You know, we can beat up on Anaconda, but you better not. That is why I think some of my best friends at the University of Montana were from the Smelter City. Today's guest is one of the very best people Anaconda has ever put out, Jesse Lazovich. Jesse is currently the United States Attorney for the District of Montana. He was nominated for that post by President Joe Biden. He was confirmed and sworn in earlier this year. Jesse is a former member of the Montana Senate and the Montana House of Representatives. He is one of the very best high school and college basketball officials in the game. He is also one of the very best people that I know. I really mean that. He comes from a great Anaconda family. His father was the legendary Tony Lazovich, who was one of my favorite people of all time. In this podcast, we talk about growing up in that Lazovich family, which includes his late uncle Mike, who is probably my favorite professor at UM. We talk about growing up in Anaconda and all those beatings Jesse took as a member of the Copperheads from the mighty Butte Central Maroons. We talk about getting into politics at a very young age and getting into officiating at a very young age under the tutelage of his father. We talk about how he called that fifth foul on Kyle Holter in the Class A State Championship basketball game. Luckily, Dougie Peoples made that steal and that clutch long shot at the buzzer, so it made it possible that Jesse could be a guest on the Buttecast. We also talk about how Dougie almost got called for 10 seconds before he crossed half court, just before he made that game-winning shot. Jesse and I met at Metal Sports Bar and Grill to record this podcast about four weeks ago. Since Jesse is a member of the Department of Justice, we decided it'd be best to hold off on posting it until after the election. If you have suggestions for people you'd like to hear from on the Buttecast, just drop me a line at full74 at gmail.com. Also, please tell your friends about the Buttecast and all the great people we're getting to know from the mining city and beyond. Show your parents and grandparents how to download the Apple Podcasts and Spotify apps too. That'd be a big help. Now, let's catch up with one of Anaconda's finest, Jesse Lazlovich. Jesse Lazovich, thanks for, for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Today, uh, I would say that Blake, you know, he, and he insisted on sponsoring this show, but really today's show was brought to us, is made possible by Dougie Peoples. 
because if he didn't have that steal and that and one and then the, the game went in shot, there's no way I could have the, the guy on a call the fifth foul on Kyle Holter. <laughs> That's fair. You're not the first one who is uh, giving me a hard time about the fifth foul on Kyle. Well, well I, I, I defended you from the start because it, it was a foul. Renzi will disagree with us, but it was a foul. And I think his dad sitting next to me knew it was a foul. You know. So, so here, here's a little insight on, on that. Those block charge calls, as you know, uh, are the toughest. Um, oh, yeah just because it's bang bang and you're in um you're making an instinctual call yeah with the state tournament you meet all the officials so there's six of us you meet before the first game uh and it, you draw numbers in terms of who gets which games and of course everybody wants to work the state championship so we're all hoping yeah. that you get the state championship game and we were all assuming it was going to be central and lewistown so I was lucky. I drew number three, which was uh, great. But after that, the officials pre we we pregame uh, the tournament, meaning talk about we want to all be on the same page because a lot of these folks we don't work with during the season. Yeah. And Richie Borden from uh, Hamilton, who was one of the officials, he talked about that exact situation of when you have a guy who's set and the offender comes and hits him off the side. Yeah. Uh, then it's it's a block, and so we all agreed. Are we you going to make sure it's a block? Because you have some yeah. some officials who, of course, would call it uh, player control. And so when that happened, um, there was no doubt in my mind. And I didn't realize, Bill, and I'm sorry, I'm getting way into the weeds on this, no, that no it problem. was his fifth foul. And usually, uh, you know, when we have a dead ball, or there's a timeout, you have someone like a Dougie or a Kyle or whomever. Yeah. Uh, hey, they have four. Let's make sure the fifth one is a good one. Yeah. Um, and this one where it's bang, bang. But I went over to Brody uh, when they buzzed it. That's five. And uh, went over to Brody and said, um, that's five. And I said, I ha it was a block. I had to call it a block. He's like, we haven't gotten any 50-50 calls from you guys. <laughs> so uh, I still get grief um, uh, over that call. But Richie came up to me, who was one of the other officials. And he says, just for what it's worth, I had a block too. Yeah, and I said, "Well, we pregame this, right? Yeah. This was a, this was a block." But anyway, I appreciate you bringing that. Well, that up. was uh, that, one of my favorite things is going to state tournament is seeing such a well officiated game because I don't remember state tournament games that weren't well officiated. You get the best of the best, right. and it's it's kind of cool to see. It's like an all star crew out there, you right. know, working it. And it must have been fun working that game. It's funny that you said you want the championship game. I guess that's what you you want an official. You want. You want the brightest lights. So, right. For me, yeah. it was my first state tournament as an official. Really? My dad, who was a longtime official, uh, worked all those tournaments. I took a, a break between uh, 2012 and 2018, didn't officiate, uh, and then got back uh, into it. I was in the Missoula uh, pool for a period of time uh, and then went to the Helena pool. So when I got the state A boys, it was an emotional time because my yeah. dad always, it seemed, did the state A. Yeah. Uh, and then knowing that Central was going to likely be in the in the state tournament, it was exciting. And I had referee or I hadn't refereed them, or no, yeah, I did. Uh, Butte High I was, Butte Central. Yeah, right? I was just going to say yeah. that I thought they were at East Helena, but no, it was Butte High, Butte Central. Um, so you know that was great. Renzi, of course, uh, and I competed against one another when he played for Central, and I, he was way better than me. Was he a mouth as much as a player as he is as an assistant? <laughs> I don't remember being mouthy yeah. as, a, as a player. No, he just dominated us all the time, and me in particular. Um, 
But the thing about the state tournament is you not only have, in you know, my view, you have the officials who are voted on by the coaches yeah. and then MH, MHSA is picking who's uh, working those. And then the pools are, are uh, you know, rank their officials. So you have sort of the three prongs, but then you have the best teams. Yeah. So you, I mean, you have the state championship game, which is incredible, yeah. but then you have the Saturday morning loser out games, which are just as intense um, to get into the consolation. Yeah. And then of course the initial games where all the games are close versus, you know, no one likes to watch or referee a game that is a 20 or 30 yeah. point blowout. You want it to be uh, intense. So that state championship game, uh, I got to be the, the so the uh, referee essentially, um, you, you, you toss the, the jump ball at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, they made me the lead official simply because it was my first state tournament, the state nice. championship. Uh, and I told them in the captain's uh, meeting that I, I think people circled both of those teams in terms of uh, meeting in the championship at the beginning uh, of the season. But this is something we'll all remember for the rest of our lives, yeah. regardless of how it turns out. And certainly for me uh, as an official, what a way to end a season. Yeah, that was so much <laughs> fun. on a, a Dougie Peoples last second shot. And just a, a, another thing, I was the official on the baseline at the time. So he's coming up the court. It's tied um, and, you know, slowly dribbling. And one thing that uh, I've said to a few people, and I'll say to you, he almost had a 10-second violation in the backcourt. So Shane really? was the third official. And he's I wasn't. Up that slow, huh? He was coming. And if you go back. And, and we did it after the game. One of the officials who was watching us, uh, who worked the consolation game, asked Shane, who had the 10-second the count on, said, how close did you get? And he said, I almost got to 10. But that's one instance where do you just – do you have a slower count? I mean, the, yeah. last, we, the crowd would have gone what ballistic. It, had yeah. we a boop, 10 seconds, and then it's Lewistown ball. But he got it across. He would have had answer to Bernie Boyle. Yeah, exactly, that. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, – so I'm the lead official, and he's – as Dougie's coming up, I'm thinking this is – I'm going to have half of this because similar to the Kyle uh, call, half yeah. of the crowd's going to be mad, half the crowd is going to be happy. Uh, and then this is going to be the last call. Either I'm going to have a foul or I'm not going to have a foul as he's driving. So when he pulled up, uh, I was uh, Took shocked. all the heat right off you. Oh, I mean. Did, you were expecting – I was expecting a drive because yes. he's such a good driver. He is yeah. so good. He's, he's just so much finesse, uh, talent, just so much talent. But, yeah, you, and he creates contact. And he's a hard guy to officiate because yeah. you have opposing coaches – if you call a foul on the defensive player, they think that it's because Dougie had initiated yeah. the contact, and so therefore there shouldn't be a foul, or at the very least it should be offensive. Um, it, but and we talked about that as officials when we because I yeah. Um, yeah you guys have to game uh, plan you, you're you, ready, right? you ha you talk about the players yeah. and let's be consistent um, here and and we watch and it's you know he is just that good where. Uh, at least in my view, um, if there was contact, usually it was him getting fouled. But yes, I, that a highlight of the year for me. Yeah, was that was that tournament were you, that game? When you're watching, you're officiating that game. Were you aware of just the score at all times? Do you or is you just watching your spots, or do you, did you realize exactly what was going on the whole time? It's one of those things where uh, the score, not so much. Uh, you're aware just because, of, you know, at, like at, at quarter, halftime, yeah. you look up, oh, that's the score. Um, it's, 
you know, you're constantly on those dead balls, those timeouts in particular, at quarter, getting the crew together. What are you seeing? Do you feel good? All right, Shane, you had something against Butte Central on that end. If we have the same on the other end, let's make sure we have it on the other end so we're consistent, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, timeouts, we're, you know, especially as at the end of the half, end of the game, make sure we know uh, the timeouts. So with it, if a coach or a player is saying timeout, timeout, and they don't have a timeout, then um, we avoid a T. Yeah. Um, and so we'll say to the coach, hey, you have one left or there are no timeouts. But uh, in terms of the, you're aware generally of the score, but I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not watching the score. It's one of the things I don't have to worry about um, is what the score is. Now, when Dougie's coming up and you know, yeah, you know it's tie game and this yeah. is it. Yeah, that was, and I had the, I, I told people before I was sitting right on the scores, you saw her sitting there right yeah. on the on the bench and I'm, I got my camera out and I took your picture for this podcast so you see how terrible I am at holding <laughs> the camera. But I got the camera out and I'm filming. I have the best video of the thousands of videos that anyone's got. And then I hit the, turn it off after it was over and it started turning on so i didn't even have it recorded oh the whole time. no yeah so uh but luckily a gajillion people also Total. were recording so that so so the other big thing about that course in addition to you know the shot uh, at the very end the question of time was there time left on the the clock uh and when we got you can see and i i must have watched yeah and Richie and Shane, the two officials I work with, that Sunday, we must have watched it a million times. I, taught, I didn't sleep well that night because we were seeing if there was time on the clock. Yeah. And uh, Scott, the opposing uh, coach, did he have a timeout? So I'm underneath as the lead official. The center official is Richie. Shane is the trail official at top. So he has the mark for Dougie of the three. Shane is, on, is right in front of the Butte Central bench and so when we get together, the you know the alarm goes or the the, the um, not the alarm the horn the, the horn thank yeah. you goes off. So we you can see we're getting together yeah. and we have to make sure are we all on the same page before we leave the court? Um, did, was there a timeout called? And so Richie, I said, did he have a timeout? And he said, no. And I said, you're certain? Yes, it's seared into my mind. Yeah. And sure enough, on the re on the the video you can see uh you know scott just i mean as I mean, people yeah, are stunned they walked away they weren't even going to inbound the ball. right i mean it was done um and uh and you see richie to his credit he's looking he's, yeah. he's looking looking and then he's surprised because i because if he had been saying time out time yeah. out time out we would have given it to him it still would have been tough right there would have yeah. you know 0.3 seconds potentially yeah, stranger um, things have happened yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um but the other thing was we go into the locker room. I still have to mention this to uh, Renzi. So if he <laughs> ends up listening to this, maybe I won't have I'll to make mention sure it to him. It. Yes. So we're in the locker room debriefing, and uh, Shane says, Renzi clipped me. Is, is he, so the, the mechanic is Shane has the mark, <laughs> it's good, and then the opposing, the center official across the way has to mirror it, right? So you both are signaling yeah. three, the, the, the three-pointer is good. So you see Richie mirror it, and then uh, Renzi <laughs> runs by when, him and kind of... His spaz Dan, spaz yeah, Dan, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even see him, right? Um, and uh, um, so... I, so Richie said, I got clipped, and I said, was it after time had expired? And he said, yes, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was. Well, when, I, when you see in the replays, yeah. I think there, you know, it's arguable that mm -hmm. there's, 
um, you know, a tenth or two on the clock as Renzi yeah. starts to run out on the court. Well, that means a technical. Yeah, I don't know if it's even arguable. I think it's for sure that he yeah. was out there first. So, right. Could, so yeah, then he, that, I, so I've been beating my, like, uh-oh, you know, and I, yeah. this may be something. Then there's two MHSA shots in the ball. Talk, with, yes, yeah. at the, and they get the ball at half court, and yeah. then, then what? Yeah. Um, so a well, good then lesson we have a murder trial for Brody yeah. killing his brother. <laughs> yeah. So, but in that instance, it's really easy for us to, um, uh, you know, look at the the uh, the replays and be like, oh yeah, absolutely. But when it is bang bang like that, and Richie's yeah. saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was after. You understand it. it's tenths of a second, and he's signaling. The horn goes off, and and he's thinking that you know Renzi's running out onto the court, but uh, yeah, I, I want to be able to say to Renzi that in the in the event that that <laughs> happens again, that make sure he gives it a second. Yeah, the that that's one of the two biggest plays of the century for Butte Sports in my book. Curse, you know, talking high school, you know, tech people get mad at me <laughs> talking about the shot to Carroll by Hughes, which was huge, you yeah. know. But as far as high school sports goes, the two biggest plays, the century, that one. And the Butte Highs, uh, Jake Denny, he's kicked to win the championship in I 2012. Was there. And which, so you'll know what I mean. There's, there's controversy on that as well because that, I think it was the right guard went running out last second, you know, because they didn't have enough players oh. on the team. And there's no way he was set for a full second and they snapped that. And I think the Bozeman kids didn't rush. I don't think they thought it was illegal. I don't know what they thought. They're just shocked. But Bozeman did not rush that kick. And you know, so, but if they'd have called that, could you imagine those 8,000 plus people that were there and the officials say no, false yards. start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's just one of those, yeah. I mean, the reality is we're all human. As I say to uh, people, you know, when we have those 50-50 calls in a game, yeah. whether I don't care what kind of game it is, do you think that in our minds as the official that we're not thinking, uh-oh, did I mess that up? We are. And yeah. if, tell, if someone says that they're not, um, then I think yeah. they're lying to you. Yeah, but Luke Powers always told me, oh, the fish is going to go home, you know, sleep well, and have a beer, and they don't have any problem. I don't think that's the case. It's always. certainly not with me, and, yeah. and uh, because there's a lot riding on these yeah. uh, games, hence back to the Kyle, uh, <laughs> the, the fifth foul in one of those situations, where even if I had known, right, I still would have had the same call, but it was um, – but yeah, it goes through your mind where you're like, uh-oh, uh, especially when you have, you're kind of, you feel decent about it and you have everybody yeah. screaming at you like, whoa, I thought <laughs> we pregame this, right guys? Well, no one else knows yeah. that. But you talk to some other officials who perhaps would have had a different call. No question, block yeah. and charge. But yeah, we, I assure folks, it's, it's something you take home with you. And not just that night, it's something that sticks with you over and over again, as it did with me yeah. in that that game, not necessarily the block charge, but certainly the end of the game, how everything yeah. went down. Like, uh, you know, should we have had something different? Well, with and, fan, the and fans hold grudges too, because I talked to Mike Anderson, who one of the best officials yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. He is still, there's still central fans mad at him for a call his partner made in the 1985 championship <laughs> game. <laughs> That's, you know, it's the nature of it. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I agree, great official. Yeah. Um, and uh, you are, the when you're doing the three-man uh, games uh it's the three of you right that yeah. that's it everybody is against you and yeah. so my you know good or bad i may there it, what's one of the hardest things to do when you're refereeing in my view is when you disagree 
with a call that your partner made and the coach is all over, you know, is upset um, or a player is frustrated. So if the, if the, you know, my partner calls a foul, I'm going down to administer the free throw, right? We have two shots and the guy's saying to me, what did I do? Well, and I, you know, and I, you, for me, I think it's sacred. Yeah. Not to sell out your officials yeah. um, or your partners. Yeah, he stinks, yeah. Yeah, and like, <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't have that. Um, but more, um, hey, that's not my area. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of a cowardly thing to say. Even even if I, you know, <laughs> I don't want people to think that if I say it's not my area that I disagree with the, with my partner. But, <laughs> but it's you know, we all have our area. own areas. Yeah. And so sometimes I truly don't see it. But it's just like, hey, you'll have to talk to Mike if Mike was the official, right, for example. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, it's funny you, that people still hold grudges just yeah. indirectly, right? Because yeah. of a call Mike's partner made. Oh, they swear Mike made it. But. <laughs> so during, during the season, you were nominated by President yeah. Biden to be the U.S. Attorney for the District of Montana. Is, right. that, how, is that what the that's right. vision? Yep. Now, um, of course, you were confirmed and sworn in, what, in June? Yep. I was confirmed uh, mid-May sometime and sworn in June 3rd. So what... Uh, what does that do to your officiating career? Can you keep officiating? It's a great question. So, because uh, you're I, too good just to let walk well, out the door. Well, I appreciate that. I, I um, the, so my la- last year was my first year I got to do Frontier Games uh, on the women's side, uh, which was uh, great. Um, I'm not able to do that uh, this year, which makes my wife happy because that's tough just from a travel oh, that's standpoint. Brutal travel. Made me a better official, uh, you know. With, uh, the folk, you know, you talk about officials who know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's different, you know. The the coaches, of course, are full. That's what this is what they do for a living, and yeah. Um, and so they know all the officials, and they know how to interact with uh, uh, the officials. Um, and of course, the players are all uh, really good. So that was good. I'll miss that, but I won't be able to do that. And then with high school, so it's interesting you ask this. During the, so they told me in September of 21, uh, I got, received a phone call that I was their pick to uh, be the U.S. attorney here. And um, I asked, you, you, know, you, you have to go through a vetting process. And so from September to January, they do an extensive background check where FBI agents are trying to talk to anybody who knows me to say bad things. I was hoping they didn't come across coaches or fans. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then um, there's a financial piece to it. There's an ethics piece. You know, it's very intrusive. Yeah. Learn more about myself during that process than yeah. uh, any other time. One of the things about someone who is appointed or nominated by a president is you can't have any other sources of income. And so I asked but, you know, I, I was an adjunct professor at MSU Billings yeah. for health law. It's, okay, those things I can't do. But what about officiating? Can't do it. And I said, okay. Um, you know, I think the, the, yeah. the time it was 60, 65 bucks a game last year for a varsity game. And I said, okay, how about I, I'll donate it. Uh, donate the money. Because it's not, I love doing it. It's not yeah. about the money. And they said, uh, we'll have to get an exception from the, the White House. And I said, well, I'm asking for an exception. Yeah. So we're waiting. My wife is, um, and I'm, you know, it's an outlet for me, Bill. So you say the fate of the the Montana basketball season (laughs) lies in the shoulders (laughs) of Joe Biden. (laughs) Well, uh, one of his folks, anyway. uh, He has more important decisions. But my wife says to me, because I was furious, like, I want to do this. I'm working with the person at the Office of Government Ethics. 
in DC, who was wonderful. She said, my dad, look, my dad was a coach. I understand why you want to do this. Um, but it's going to be tough if you're compensated. Uh, maybe if you're, if you can volunteer, uh, we would allow it. Um, so there was a little window, but I, my wife says, are you going to blow this up over refereeing? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I might, I might do it. I mean, <laughs> I love this. And especially after, you know, that state tournament, um, where, you know, the crew was great. The games were great. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, uh, it bites you like, okay, I want to keep yeah, doing get this. you ready for next. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so she said, the answer is no. Uh, and, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to call, uh, the MHSA. So Brian Michelotti, who was the, before he was executive director called him, uh, and back and then Mark Beckman, of course said, Hey, I'll, I'll write a letter. Well, it didn't matter. You know, they weren't going to do it. And so I just, resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to be able to work. Uh, and that's what I was going to say when I called Brian, Hey, can I work for free? No, it's against the, the rules of, uh, uh, conduct for officials. You have to be paid. Okay. So I was stuck. Yeah. And, uh, and so interestingly enough, a few weeks ago, I called Brian and just said, Hey, I want to make sure I maintain my rating. Uh, I won't be able to work games. Um, what do I need to do to maintain my rating? Um, and to his credit, and I'm grateful for it, he said, uh, you know, I've talked to a few folks. You're willing to work for free. Why don't we create an exception? Um, nice. And I was, I mean, on cloud. I was so happy yeah. uh, that, that, that the door is open. Now the board will have to approve it. It's not done yet. And then I still need to get, uh, get make sure it's okay with, clearance, the, with, yeah. the, with the DOJ and White House folks. So my fingers are crossed that I'll be able to still work this upcoming season because now here we are this time of year, football season is getting toward the end uh, and then it's basketball season and it's just, I wanna be in a gym. This message is brought to you by Anode Designs in Anaconda. I know what you're all thinking, Foley, you twit. Why are you letting this Anaconda hack get connected with the Buttecast? Well, folks, money talks. Anode Designs is a printing and direct to garment shop in Anaconda, but that's not all we do. We actually specialize in embroidery and graphic design. We also dabble in sign creation and vinyl banners, also decals for your motor vehicles. Now, there are so many great options for screen printers out there. Take 5518, for example. You all know the work John and company do in Butte. And like me, they support local guys like this who started a podcast, really original. But if your current printer is too busy to get your job done in a timely fashion, why not give us a try for a limited time only? All new businesses who place an order with Anode Designs will get their screen, embroidery, and graphic design origination fees waived. Just call 406-563-0121 or email anodedesignsllc at gmail.com and use the code FOLEYWHO during the consultation. Anode Designs is a proud supporter of the Buttecast and is pushing hard to get more Anaconda talent on the show. Don't just take it from me. Listen to the buttery smooth voice of a Butte legend tell you. There's two things we like about Butte. It's 24 miles away and Tom O'Neill. Welcome to Copperhead Country. Markovich Construction Incorporated is Southwest Montana's largest and most successful general contracting firm. They employ the best field craftsmen, managers, and support staff, and they maintain the most complete fleet of building construction equipment in the area. Markovich Construction has the construction team to make any project a success. They have a proven successful history of working with owners and design professionals to address any project challenges, and they routinely bring in projects ahead of schedule and within budget. Recent projects include the Veterans Home, Burt Mooney Airport, Starbucks, the Ridgewater Water Park, and more. 
Visit MarkovichCons.com to see some of their recent projects and call 406-494-3901 to let Markovich Construction work for you. Markovich Construction, when performance counts. Dig City Supply has everything you need to cheer on your Montana Tech or diggers with the largest selection of locally designed and produced fully licensed apparel and gifts. Bulldog and Maroon fans can shop their huge selection of fan gear for your teams and schools as well as a wide selection of Butte themed items. Modern, classic, wear your pride from Dig City Supply, a division of 5518 Designs located across from the parking garage at 43 West Park Street in Uptown Butte or online at digcitysupply.com. So you got into officiating pretty, at a pretty young age. Right out of, yeah, when I was a freshman in college. you've done everything. You got into politics yeah. at a pretty young yeah. age, I'm too. I'm a nerd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, your, your dad did it, and I assume that's why, what got yes. you into officiating. Loved, loved. You know, because uh, officials, you know, I, I, was, I found myself yelling at the officials, which, to my credit, at least, I, my kid didn't hear me on the <laughs> sidelines, so that there was a really bad missed call in Kalispell's freshman game, which is really huge, you know. Yeah. It was the difference in that 48 to 8 <laughs> game, you know. But, uh, no, I, uh, and I hate doing that. I don't ever want to be that guy, yeah. you know. But because uh, officials get a tough racket. And Anaconda had to, they didn't have a great reputation. Whether yeah. it was fair or not, their official pool never had a great reputation, at least in Butte. Maybe they had a great reputation yeah. in Anaconda. <laughs> and, and maybe, I don't think the people and, in Anaconda like the and officials. May, yeah, but it seemed like, you know, it wasn't a great reputation, but I never talked to a coach or a player or another official that didn't just have your dad on such a high pedestal. Yeah. So because he was such a great, he was just a great person overall. Right. But he was his his mentality, you know, because he's all he's always a voice of reason. Right. You know, his mentality though I thought was just perfect. Yeah. For the for he the had that job. control in yeah. uh, in. The, and you're right, the respect of folks, but his way with people, I think, um, was what separated him from many others. And yeah. so Mark Beckman told me uh, when he was, when I did the State AA Boys Divisional Tournament uh, this last year before State A Boys, and, and so that was in Helena, and Beckman was there, and his, uh, he was watching his uh, 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 Leary for oh, uh, yeah, Butte High. And, um, and he said, I tell this story to if we have issues, you know, with an official and a coach, and it, it yeah. rose to his level about your dad, and I'll say, do you you remember Tony Laslovich, or do you know, you know who he was? No, in some, oh yeah, I've heard the name, or people, like, no, huh? Well, let me tell you what Tony did for me when I was a coach, and uh, he tells the story of, and I didn't know this, but when uh, Mark was coaching the Anaconda girls. He was, and I remember when I, I was a student there, right? Yeah. And I remember he, Beckman could get into it. Um, oh boy! And yeah. um, and I don't I don't remember what the play was, but my my dad ended up giving him a tee, uh, and he walked over to Mark, as he and calmly, right? Yeah. And that's that's a tough thing to do when you're in the when you have someone barking at you. And he said, "Mark, this is what I saw. I may have been wrong." Um, but you're better than this yeah. in terms of how he was acting. Um, and that resonated with Mark to the point where he's, uh, you know, all these officials, he said, I talk about Tony all the time because of the impact he had on me when he was uh, a coach, which of course had an impact on me when yeah. Mark uh, told me. But I, uh, for me, I don't know why I was the only one in my family that, uh, that 
wanted to officiate. Um, but when I was a kid, I remember in, in middle school when he would do tournaments, I would go with him if I could. Um, even in high school, just going back into the officials room, the camaraderie, you know, uh, all these folks. And so uh, when I was uh, a freshman at the U, it worked. I mean, it was like a full-time job. So many games, and that was when the girls' season was in the fall and the boys' yeah. was in the winter. So for six months, I was working nonstop. Of course, you have, you know, I'm a college student. I don't have yeah. a life. I have flexibility in my schedule, so I'm working all these junior high and freshman games. Wow. Tons of games where my, my friends are like, How, you've made so much money because it, you're, you know, in the Missoula pool anyway, there are yeah. so many schools to cover so many games that it was like a full-time job but it wasn't full-time you know in the yeah. from a time standpoint um so uh i yeah that that was meaningful and what's particularly meaningful is when i was in the moved to the helena pool and my dad was still refereeing out of the anaconda pool they made uh, arrangements for he and i to work a game in deer lodge i don't remember who oh, deer lodge awesome. was uh, was working and we you know my dad in the estes tournament when that was big we'd work together yeah. but it different than an MHSA sanctioned event. And so we, I was sick, I was not feeling well, but I remember um, during that game, <laughs> he, t he told me I needed to go up and apologize to the player. So it, it's two person, it was uh, the, yeah. just the two of us, so there wasn't a third official. Um, and I had a call, I was certain it was a foul. You know, I report, you know, and he's down, he's administering, he's down, he's talking to the guy. I'm sure he's selling me out, right? Yeah, yeah. he wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it, that's it, not my call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's my son. He's <laughs> terrible. So in the next dead ball, he's like, you need to go apologize to 34, whatever his number was. And I said, what? You need to apologize to him. That was a terrible call. You know, something yeah. a father can say to a son. Yeah. And so here I am, like, thinking I'm all good, and then I'm going up to this you know, junior or senior, like, hey, I'm sorry, sorry about that call. My dad apparently thought it was terrible. Uh, he's like, yeah, he told me. I'm like, yeah, great, thanks. Um, he told him. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that uh, that was um, sad that that's the one thing I remember from it. And the other thing I remember is he was calling in my area all the time, right? No, it's just as he yeah. as he should, right? I mean, yeah. he it's I'm still the son and was learning right but yeah. all the time you know they preached us in helena and the missoula pool you stick in your own area you have you know the key is sort of everyone uh, jointly but i'm like what you're you're making this call this is my call but here's the thing he was, he was 99 right. yeah absolutely 99 yeah. percent of the time he was right yeah well you know it's funny that you bring up the, the you're better than that comment to beckman because i actually witnessed one of the moments i think i wrote about it uh, when he either when he was sick or when he passed, was uh, I was at uh, Butte High or Butte Central Anaconda game, and I think it was pretty sure it was Jim Cambage was up in the up in the box behind you know, and he's yelling not in a way that he would have yelled if he was on the sideline, you know they're yelling about stuff just assuming the officials aren't hearing them because you're up in the box and you're yelling and of course in Ana the crow's nest in Anaconda is like five feet above the coaches there right and I remember Tony pulling out his flag and he didn't throw it but he called the penalty on him but he pulled out his flag and he was just walking over and waving it at him giving him line about talking how to talk to people and this and he goes you're better than that oh interesting and it was the same same kind of deal and, and jim was sorry right you're, <laughs> and he never said another word the rest of the game the irony is i love that he was that way but he had as as you may know i mean my dad had a temper uh and 
but he was able to keep his composure in yeah. games. But we would see the look, you know, of someone, especially when he knew he was right, and especially if it was a player who he thought yeah. was uh, trying to um, sh- sort of showboat him. Um, yeah. And, you know, he'd just get that glare like, uh-oh, you know, this isn't, this isn't good. Um, and then outside of officiating, definitely had a had a temper. Yeah. There were times where I wanted to say, "Come on, Dad, you're better than that." Yeah. He's yelling at me <laughs> at seven in the morning uh, as we're working on a job. Now he and he was a hard worker too. Was he did uh, was he? He yeah. had his own contracting yeah. company, right? Yeah. So he right start. So he worked for my grandfather until 1991. My grandfather had a trucking business, uh, old Mack trucks, which the family still has, which is. Uh, incredible um and then um then in 91 bought his backhoe and then slowly grew it and i think back i mean here i am with jobs i've had where i get paid vacation sick leave holidays get to wear a nice uh, tailored suit suit, yes and he didn't have any of that and he was working seven days a week and we asked him that the week before he died when uh, you know we knew the end was near I think my mom asked him, do you regret how hard you worked? And he said no um, and loved working with his brother, uh, my uncle Nick, and then um, uh, his kids. My, you know, there are, there are five of us, yeah. and uh, all four of us except my youngest sister, Lisa, who was the most spoiled. She didn't have to, do the, <laughs> to go through the Tony um, uh, tr- training school in terms of the work ethic. But, yes, he, he – um, so I did that when I was in my summers in high school and then some weekends when you needed help in college. And I always had kind of a chip on my shoulder about it. You know, my mm-hmm. friends weren't doing it. Why am I doing this? Felt yeah. I had a sense of entitlement, right? Yeah. And then it's one of those things. You become a parent and then you're like, how lucky was I? Yeah. I mean, um, and you try to pass on those lessons that he passed on to us and my mom just through actions right not yeah. words but I don't have a construction business I'm here in a suit um, yeah. you know how am I going to have my kid dig a ditch but those all those things that I was exposed to that I still use that I you know the being a heavy equipment operator that we have a little place that we built up at Swan that I was able to do because of him I yeah. mean even though he's gone he built it um, yeah. because he taught me how to do it uh, and my siblings, except for Lisa, who's spoiled. Spoiled. Right. Well, I think Beth has to be the toughest of the right? <laughs> she would say so. She yeah. would say she's the toughest. I cover the, her more than, in, for the standard, more than any other. other yeah, she, Beth, so she, she was a tomboy, right? I mean, so we, we would play in the, so my brother and I, right, are the oldest, and then, then the, Beth's number three. And so in the neighborhood, when we were doing all the games, bait, you know, all the stuff you do as kids, Beth was one of the few, in fact, if not the only girl. And so she was playing with the boys all the time, loved doing it, hated dolls, always, you know, sort of, my daughter, right, loves yeah. the, you know, the doll stuff and, um, you know, just doesn't doesn't have a lot of interest in sports, which pains me. Um, but, <laughs> Two uh, of them like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, she's, she's into gymnastics and, uh, and tennis, so we'll, we'll see. I want to get her into uh, baseball uh, because she seems to have some natural ability there, but I can't force her, right? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Beth was uh, always the, the one who was playing with the boys. And she, right? I mean, you're right. She was, uh, she was tough. I was sitting I, next to I wouldn't admit that to I her. I was sitting next to your parents watching the, in the old West gym. George, the best name, Jim, George Foley Memorial Gymnasium yeah, yeah. in the West, which named after my right. grandpa's brother. But uh, 
there's no press table really there. I mean, so I just took my notebook, sat in the crowd, and I sat by your mom and dad. And Beth hit her head off the wall pretty hard. And your mom, of course, acts like a mom. <laughs> she's running down in the locker room, see if she's okay. And your dad's like, gosh, she'll be she, fine. She'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, and I think, I think Beth told your mom, I'm fine. Get out of here. Yeah, or something like no, that too. totally. In many ways. And we're all, you know, we're all like our parents in certain ways. But Beth, in many ways, is like our, uh, like our father in that yeah. uh, sort of the toughness. Um, uh, and my mom, too. You know, it's both. But the stubbornness, for sure. Yeah. Competitiveness. And Lisa, she'd take exception. Lisa, here's the thing: there are three boys, two girls in our family. Yeah. Girls way more athletic, way more competitive than the boys. Right? Yeah. When we played, I was terrible. Anthony is the least <laughs> athletic uh, in the family, and then Jeff actually is probably the most athletic boy, but didn't have an interest in it. Yeah. But yeah, Beth and Lisa, um, you know, they both played. Yeah, and Lisa's got a couple of rings, from, doesn't she? Yeah. When we followed her, and we st- yeah. my my daughter a few weeks ago, we had you know this ridiculous t-shirts made for all the, the families where they had the big uh picture of the um the player you yeah. know so Allie hurley and tori hill and so we had lisa of course huge you know the whole front of the shirt yeah. just a cheap shirt cheap shirt with the picture and uh we had my daughter found it somewhere and like what is this <laughs> like yeah that's your aunt lisa she wanted t- pictures with her t-shirts with her picture on them um and she wore it and was really proud yeah i have a shirt like that of your dad Oh yeah, because yeah, Blake made right. those shirts. That's right. And uh, I think the last uh, the last time I talked to him, I asked, I told him, "You're gonna have to beat this pretty soon," because I, I want to stop wearing this shirt for seriousness and wear it to an ugly sweater contest. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he thought yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, good for you. No, that's right. Blake was he was extraordinary yeah. during that process for my dad and for the family, not just in terms of the stuff that he'd organized for, I mean, he was going, my dad was going yeah. to Seattle um, every week. Uh, yeah. flying. Now he could and, come to Butte a lot for a lot of that uh, stuff, but yeah. you can't. Right, Back exactly. Back then you were always and going. So we were, and so it was two of us, and that's expensive, you know, we had, yeah. we had health insurance, and that's the thing I, um, I guess that's the, I think the uniqueness of people from Butte and Anaconda is that loyalty. Um, and so many people stepped up Blake of course at the top so many people to say how can we help and not just you know in words but in money in food Um, it was remarkable Uh, and so yeah I still have uh, the not just the the shirt with my dad's uh, picture on it um, and but also the whatever it takes the blue um, yeah uh, that it was sort of it became his mantra whatever it takes to overcome it um, that we have that I still wear all the time. Yeah. Now you graduated what? 99? 99. 99. Was uh, the Butte Central Anaconda rivalry, was it pretty intense then? No. It, I mean, it was. It were, I remember as a kid, yeah. I mean, the Butte Central Anaconda, I mean, fights outside oh, yeah. the, the Memorial Gym and being like, what is, I mean, just sort of this craziness. Um, of how there was so much vitriol between Butte and Anaconda. We were, and we weren't to that extent, uh, and it probably wasn't much of a rivalry as I think back because Butte Central typically beat us. You know, we weren't that that competitive. uh, We beat them in football. I remember one of either my junior That was Central's glory years. They were really football-wise. Right. And we ended, and I remember, uh, of course, CC. Well, their glory years, I guess, since the 70s. Right, right. (laughs) The Yulins are, what are you talking about? (laughs) Good clarification. Yeah. Yeah. 
But C.J. Pitcher, uh, when we beat him, of course, went on to play for the, the Grizz. And then his older brother is my age, Alessandro, was our quarterback. Uh, we actually we went to the playoffs. Laurel thumped us. Um, Vince Henman, who went to play for uh, yeah. um, Northern um, Arizona. Yeah, uh, just really uh, tough team. But yeah, other, other than that, though, us between and then basketball, um, it it, it, my recollection is it really wasn't that competitive between yeah. us and them. So, uh, us and them. So we didn't. I think it's fair to say we didn't like one another. Yeah. But then it's t as is typical. Then you get done with high school, and then all like these are my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, my first two years of high school were at Central. My, then I went to Butte High. But uh, I remember when I was in junior high, Central's cross country coach got beat up in Anaconda. You know, he was a recent grad. You know, I think he was wearing his letter jacket still. You know. He's, and he got beat up outside a girls' basketball game. So we go to Anaconda, and I thought for sure we were going to get in a fight or get beat up or something, you know, because it was the, the Hewitt brothers were playing. Mm -hmm. they, they played a day game because they, I think, I think it was because uh, they didn't want Butte coming over at night. So Probably. we played a Saturday afternoon game, you know, and I remember seeing how many Anaconda, a lot of people who watch Anaconda football now will never believe how many kids just kept coming out of it. It was like out of that, it was like a clown car that kept coming out of that small, <laughs> well, small, yeah. uh, dungeon of a yeah, locker room yeah, there but the there dungeon. was a million of them and of course they were really good and they beat us in basketball too and you know they, they were there but i and I, I got in a fight in basketball i remember there's this big anaconda class of 93 had this really big guy with curly hair and he hit me in the with the forearm in the nose and uh as i you know put my hand on my nose and i wonder figuring out what's going on the ball just bounced to me and I turned around, and all I could see was the back of his big head. And I fired that thing as hard, and I hit him right between the numbers in the back. And then he turned around with his dukes up, and I would have been dead. But Brian Yelenich was the official, and he grabbed me, you know. And I had a, I had a one-on-one -on -one from his foul, and uh -huh. then they had two shots for the technical. And of course, I missed my one-on-one. -on -one, but, uh, <laughs> but we just—I thought, man, what is this? These, these got these assholes from Anaconda. And then that that spring golf teams we were stride together with anaconda mm. and i think it was brandon tuss oh yeah you know couldn't have found a nicer guy in totally. the world you know and so next thing you know we're hanging out with these anaconda guys and then you go to university of montana you, you go to red's bar the bodega you yep. know that wherever they got your back totally. the guys that you, you you just thought you hated were like your brothers it's there's no no doubt about it uh in Yes, I remember the Hewitts. So I was in grade school, and I remember the Hewitts in the gym, just packed, and yeah. the the uh, and then yeah, the football games being huge, uh, you know, the where the stands are uh, full. Um, and there were times when we when I was a senior, I think, uh, yeah, uh, when we when when we went to the playoffs and we played Haber, and they came. Matt Kegel was the quarterback, came down. Oh, yeah. um, so where you have you know, as with any. Uh, town when you're good you have uh, people who come to watch um, so it was neat to be um, a part of that uh, and it was just, it was since Butte always beat up on us it was particularly special and we were able to beat them I bet yeah because yeah, they were good yes they were good 5518 designs is your uptown Butte destination for all of your apparel and gift needs 5518 offers their own line of in-house designed and locally produced apparel celebrating what we love about Butte and our Montana lifestyle You'll also find outdoor essentials such as Chaco sandals, Dekine backpacks and gear, and Kabu apparel and packs. Something for the whole family. Visit 5518 Designs at 27 North Main Street in the heart of historic Uptown Butte and online at shop5518.com.
Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now, it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save 5 cents per gallon off top-tier conical fuel every single day. Plus, earn points at the pump and in the store. Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef. But did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grande's, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grande's can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertoglio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at casagrandesteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. So you said you were a nerd, so but you went one year of college and you worked full-time almost as an official. Yeah. And then you decided to run for the legislature. That's yeah. uh, that was pretty. That was pretty young. It was yeah. Looking back, I'm, you probably didn't feel like crazy. you were young. No, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday. My uh, so the, there was no goal to run. I mean, I was interested in politics, but I wasn't like okay. As soon as I get to be 18, I'm running. Um, I know some people think that they've told me this over the years, thinking that that's how I was. That's not how I was. I, I was majoring in political science at the U. Yeah. Um, wanted to go to law school, but wasn't interested, at least at that point, at running. Uh, and then Angela McLean, who was my high school government teacher, I've told this story, so if you know it, forgive me. I but know. she was um, she was going to run. Red Minahan, longtime state representative. Yeah. Term limits were passed in 1992, eight years. It went into effect in 2000. He's he's done. He can't run again. Otherwise, he would have been there until he died. Yeah. You know, a great guy, great public servant, and we. Uh, and so I was going to help Mrs. McLean <clears throat> run for uh, Mr. Minahan's seat. He was my social studies teacher, so it's weird for me to call him their first name. Couple great uh, teachers. Yeah, great teachers. Yeah. And she ends up getting pregnant with her, her now uh, oldest, uh, Colin, who is uh, in college, which is incredible you know, how quickly the time has gone but she said I'm not gonna run and so I said okay and she she was the one who said well why don't you think about running no one was no one had filed Nancy Keenan was running yeah. for Congress at the time it was her old seat she's you know having fundraisers in Anaconda and hey why don't you run for my old seat and people no, not interested so I kind of just sat on it and it was my uh, it was my second semester of my freshman year then I see that no one's filing. I thought, oh, I can pay 15 bucks and maybe just walk in without wow. anybody opposing me. <laughs> yeah. So sure enough, as soon as I did that, naively, uh, two other folks uh, said, "Hey, you're, you know, you're too young." Yeah. And they filed, and we were we were off and had this primary. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I remember talking to my first reporter during my first interview, pulled over on the side I was on. It was the flip phones, the cell phones yeah. were new and sweating 
I mean, I'm sweating, and these, these are not <laughs> tough questions, but yeah. so worried about what I'm going to say. In fact, I think it was Duncan Adams, because uh, he was with the oh, Standard yeah. at the time. Um, and yeah, so, uh, and yeah, I talked about it with my dad, my mom, um, both of whom were, were supportive. My dad had been a county commissioner, so he had an idea of what, of course, running for office uh, was like, but hadn't talked to the party. I didn't know, you know. Uh, no. I, I'm a Democrat. I mean, Mr. <laughs> Minahan's a Democrat. Mrs. Yeah. McLean's a From Democrat. Anaconda, From Anaconda, you have, have to be a Democrat. Yeah. And so it worked out well because my parents weren't really political. You know, that we did, it's not like we talked about it around the table, table at dinner every night. So, yeah, um, decided to do it. And I was pleasantly surprised with the. And then no Republican filed. So when I won the yeah. primary in June, I was uh, home free. Well, you were so young at the time to be winning. I remember reading the story. I went back in newspapers.com and read the story after he won the primary. And they talked to your dad about you. I know. <laughs> I mean, it was like, how's your little boy going to be? Is I it? know. You know, so, uh, of course, he said nice things about you, which was nice. He, it's funny you say that. So during the vetting process for the U.S. attorney position, for the Senate Judiciary Committee, for purposes of the confirmation, you have to fill out a questionnaire, very extensive questionnaire, worst part of the process in my view. Uh, and it, it, part of it being extensive for me uh, was they ask for all speeches you've given, any time you've been in the newspaper, and of course for someone who is getting into, going into the position and they haven't had a yeah. uh, you know, political career, it's probably pretty straightforward. But for me, it was tough. So I had to uh, go back, uh, spent long nights, uh, you know, going back to 2000 when that happened because yeah. I had to disclose uh, all that and came across that article. Yeah. And one thing he said in there that I had forgotten was, I think the best is yet to come for Jesse. Yeah. And it knocked me over. I didn't know what it meant at yeah. the time. But after having gone through all of this uh, stuff with him, with the health, my wife's health, you know, running for office statewide, losing not once but twice, um, I don't know what did he mean. And my wife said, you know, maybe you going through all this, us going through all this, it clearly led you to where yeah. you are currently. Um, so I, yeah. So anyway, you mentioned that article reminded me uh, of that. Um, hit my thing about my dad is with us, he was really firm, but did he brag about us to others behind our backs? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But he would never tell us. Yeah, so it's nice to at least yeah. have. Uh, an article. Um, yeah, I think that's because uh, that was that really nice. Same yeah. one I noticed that as well. Right. Yeah. And uh, do you think, uh, of course, I, I've always been impressed with you because you're very obviously a very talented, you know, you're a lawyer and you could do whatever you want. You could, you could make a lot of money mm. just working on by, by yourself, but mm. you've always, you know, I know like the, the healthcare system, something that you, you're, you're passionate about, but you, I mean, you spent the last 20 some years looking out for others. I appreciate it. I, um, so for me, after I lost in 16, I was in the auditor's office, loved the work, you know, securities fraud, people who were having issues with insurance companies. Um, it, it's the air ambulance stuff that was really important to me. I told my wife at the time, if I have the pick between losing this election and finding a solution for the air ambulance, I'd always choose the solution. I thought from a greedy perspective, I thought I could have it both ways. So when I lost and then we got the solution, my wife's like, well, that's what you wish for. I said, yeah, that's bullshit. I wanted, yeah. I wanted both, <laughs> but uh, she was right as usual. Yeah. Um, but 
I worked for uh, the last five years for SEL, so St. James here in St. Vincent, Holy Rosary, because of the health stuff, right? The yeah. health policy was um, particularly, and is particularly important to me, and what better way to learn about healthcare than working for a provider. So that was, um, was great. But when they asked me, when I uh, applied, applied for this position through Senator Tester to get recommended to the White House for consideration, the question was, well, why? And it was purpose. And I know that that's a very corny thing to say, but money, I mean, I, money is not, doesn't make me happier. And I have a friend who told me that, but and I didn't appreciate it at the time when he's like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to think money makes you happier. I've been there. I've been to that. Well, it didn't make me happier. It, it made more problems for me. Um, and I know not everyone's like that, but for me, yeah, you need to make a living. Of course, with my my uh, kids, I'm lucky enough to be married to a wife who's a lawyer, so I can mess around uh, with the stuff I want to do and not stuff that I have to do. Right from yeah. a job standpoint, um, and yeah, I think that when you feel like you're doing something, as we talked before getting on, um, where it's rewarding and doesn't feel like work, and you can make some money. I mean, enough to make a living, then. That's what I want to do. So I've been lucky enough to be able to do that for most of my adult career. And this job you have now, it's a political pointy job. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, there's a new president, right. you know, more people will put in. And if, yep. it's, a, if it's the red tie yep. president, they're not going to renominate right. a... That's right. They're not going to renominate an anaconda Democrat, I, right. you know. I'll be fired. Yeah. <laughs> I told my wife, I, uh, two days into the job, I'll be sad when they fire me. You know, um, you know, you're in the you're back into the uh, political realm where there's instability, no job security. Right. But really, that can be the case with anything um, from a job security standpoint. But how do we not take advantage of this opportunity and be able to do something and be a part of something bigger than us, Um, even though it may just be two and a half years, ultimately? Um, And stranger things have happened. You know, you never know. So the way I, my wife, when I told her, gosh, I'm going to be fired or sad when they fire me, she said, what a negative way to look at it. You're so (laughs) negative, uh, which she says often, uh, because I'm an inherent self-doubter, by the way. Um, And she said, you need to take this and run with it. You've got the, okay, so what? It's two and a half years. Go all in on it. And at the end, have no regrets. So. That's what we're trying to do. Is your wife an Anaconda gal or Butte no, gal? Where, where she's she from? from Great Falls. Uh-oh. So, yeah, I know. It's Was she athletic too? Was she? No. In fact, I, so. I tell her. <laughs> I say, say to her, gosh, she would kill me. I hope she doesn't listen to this because I say to her, um, you know, our, uh, if you know, uh, if one of our kids isn't able to do something athletically, like, well, they clearly it's your genes, not mine. Um, <laughs> And, and that's not true, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, because I was no athlete, I played. And she rubs it in my face like, well, you, you were raised in Anaconda. I was in Great Falls. There's more competition at a bigger yeah. school. She went to CMR. But um, she was a speech and debater. Oh, yeah. oh so you're not winning any arguments. Yeah. I think I win. Yeah. Uh, she, but I, that's just well, me being stubborn. Yeah, speech and debate. She's a lawyer. I imagine the... What the arguments are like in a, in a house prob- with two lawyers. Yeah. Well, often when we do argue, we'll both say, is that, you know, if someone is sort of getting lawyerly, yeah. we'll say, don't be lawyer to me. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk normally. <laughs> you know, she'll say it to me or I'll say it to her. And what, how do you think that goes? It's not received well. Yeah. Um, 
when, when no one asked to approach the bench. Or exactly like right. Yeah, <laughs> I think what it'll do is make sure our kids aren't lawyers. I think they look at us like, geez, I'm going to do something other than go to law right. school. And what's your wife's name? Jill. Jill. And you have two kids? Yep, boy and a girl, Cooper boy. and Summer. Yeah. Or how old Thir- are they now? Thirteen and nine. Wow. And our son. Uh, I've, I'm, I think my greatest success, which I'm sure you'll agree with, is he's a Green Bay Packer fan. Oh, he's brainwashed yeah. uh, as, uh, as uh, I was by my dad. Um, and almost in, a, in an unhealthy way, right? Where, I mean, I... It, there, there was no choice for you, was there? there, there I tried yeah. uh, to be like confession here. My grandmother, my mom's, or my, uh, excuse me, my dad's mom, who I looked up to, she called me one Christmas and said, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, and she said, I'm getting uh, blankets, uh, football blankets, you know, the team on. And she knew I was a, a Packer fan, I assume, because my dad yeah. was, right? But I was young. And I said, w- w- uh, who's your favorite team, Grandma? And she said, oh, I don't know. My grandfather is a Viking fan, which just he, one the most amazing human being. I don't know why he's a yeah. Viking fan, but whatever. That's why I said it's about my grandpa, the yeah. Packers fan. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and she's like, well, I like the Broncos. So... I said, okay, I'll take a Broncos blanket. Mm-hmm. And so that Christmas, I got a Broncos blanket. <laughs> and for one year, I tried to be a Bronco fan, uh, and it did not go over well no. with my dad. You know, he was really good, way more reasonable than I yeah. would have been with my kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, I didn't – after that, it was like, no, I'm going to be a Packer fan, all in. Yeah, and I always argue with your dad about the Packers. Yeah. I remember the – I think I told you I, I saw him at Walmart with Jim Yunkin. Mm. We're back by the milk, and – the Packers were like nine and one. You know, it was during Favre's reign of terror, which was before the Rodgers' reign of terror yeah. for the Bears. But <laughs> they're like nine and one, and the Bears were probably three and you know six or or, or seven. You know, and uh, he's talking about what the Packers are doing in the playoffs, and I said, I don't think nine and seven's getting them in the playoffs. And he was going on; it didn't register what I said to him. You know, and he's you know countering his argument, and then so I we go. We're paying or at the checkout, and all of a sudden I see him making a beeline right towards me because Yunkin must have told him what he said. He goes, hey, pal, the Packers aren't going 9 and 7, <laughs> which they didn't. They probably went 14 and 2 that yeah, year, you know. Yeah. It, uh, my dad, um, those, you know, he, he would, as I said, he worked hard. But those Sundays when the Packers played, he was – uh, a different version of himself, right. you know, so happy, of course, unless they yeah. lost, right? Um, <laughs> I, I, but he, it, when they were in the Super Bowl, yeah. we still have a picture, and he's got Packer gear and a scarf, yeah. and he's got his hands in the air. Uh, that is just a great uh, picture. Um, that was the one thing. If 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 he, you know, you you could rarely, including for our own kid, yeah. you know, his own kids' events, get him away from work. The Packers were playing. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll watch for three hours. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that works? It is. And so here we are now with my kid where now, you know, whether it's Sunday night or Monday night or whatever, Thursday (laughs) night, we're watching the Packers. He's all about it. And he gets just as negative as I did when I was that age. Well, and there's not a whole lot to be negative for Packers fans in my experience compared to being a Bears fan. Because my, (laughs) I I was talking to some boys on some seniors, like Kenley Leary, who we mentioned earlier, and a few guys were asking me about it. Delaney told him at the time that I punched a hole in the wall. And which I didn't, I just, I punched a dent in the wall, which I built the wall and I, and I fixed it. So it's my wall. I could do it anyway. But, exactly. But uh, it was in the fourth and eight from the 48 when Randall Cobb caught the 48 yard oh, touchdown yeah. pass. Oh yeah. That was, uh, that was the one that just, just 
it got me because my kid's experience of me watching the Bears is probably different than your because your dad probably watched wins a lot of time in his life. Mom, mm-hmm. my, my kids see disappointment, yeah, swear words, and totally. sorrow. <laughs> so Mike, my dad's uh, brother, yeah. who you know, I know, uh, Bears fan. Yeah. So you had Mike as a Bears fan, and then my grandfather as a Vikings fan, and then my dad as a Packers wow. fan. It's crazy. All NFC North. Yeah. So, but so my cousins, you know, Bears fan. They're to your point. I mean, they have low expectations, yeah. right? They're yeah. like, hey, you know, this is it's the Bears. I'm it's a used different to, outlook yeah, in life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> versus the Packers, you know, when they get yeah. beat by the Giants in London, um, yeah. we were not impressed, right? Because especially yeah. when you're up seventeen yeah. to three, what the heck? What are we doing, guys? Yeah, they'll bounce back. They still got Rodgers. I know, but they'll be fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm they'll win the division by three yeah. games. Yeah. Still, you know, it's, like, it's gonna happen. <laughs> as much as I it pains me to say, of no, course, I I'd, I'd still, as much as I despise the Packers, always, I would rather see them win the division than the Vikings. It's so interesting you say that. People talk about the Packers Bears rivalry, but for me, it's. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I really don't like the Vikings. Yeah, I'll I take. Don't, I don't Bears. have any respect for the Vikings for whatever I, reason. I, I just I, I don't know what it is. But when they the Vikings yeah. beat the Packers in Game One uh, this week or this this year, yeah. uh, it rough. just sucked. Yeah, especially <laughs> to start this and not even just get beat. They got thumped. The Uptop Clothing Company is a Butte-based business with big plans in Uptown Butte. Uptop also dresses champions around the state of Montana and beyond. You will find the Uptop logo on Butte High's football uniforms, and Uptop is designing the uniforms for Butte High's inaugural baseball season in 2023. Order your college or team apparel today. You want gear for the Bobcats, Grizzlies, Ordiggers, Bulldogs, or Saints? Uptop has what you want and so much more. Uptop also takes custom orders on team apparel and uniforms. Visit teamuptop.com today and save 15% off your first order. The Uptop Clothing Company. Enjoy the moment. There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary. You want to watch your favorite football team on Sunday, but it isn't on TV? No problem. Go to Metal Sports Bar and Grill and check out all the games. In addition to a full-service bar and a menu full of terrific entrees cooked to perfection, Metal's also has the Sunday ticket. Kick back with some raised fingers, the best pizza in town, and a refreshing drink as you root on your team on one of 31 big screen TVs at Metals. Don't miss a moment of your favorite team with Metals Sports Bar and Grill, where the food is the star. Metals is open at 11 a.m. every Sunday during football season. I forgot that Mike was a, a Bears fan. Yeah. We t- I talked to him about that. Did you have him as a teacher? I did. I, I took and I called tough. him. Yes, and he was partic- not only tough on all the students, but he taught the courses I wanted to take, right? I didn't want to yeah. take theory and, uh, you know, sort of the, 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 the non-practical parts yeah. of political science. So when he taught legislative politics and the American presidency, and, and I t- ended up taking, uh, 
the year before he died, I took legislative politics from him, and I'm grateful for that, right, uh, yeah. before he had his heart attack. And um, he was, and he said, you know, yeah, you can do it. You can take the course, but don't expect any favors. Well, I knew going yeah. into it. That's oh, just yeah. how my dad, I mean, you're harder on your own. And when my dad coached me as a kid, you know, that's just the way it is. But with Mike, uh, um, holy, he was particularly. Yeah. So when people tell me about how hard he was, and still people come up, yeah. like, are you related to Mike? Yeah, I had him. Loved him. Horrible grader, you know. But it was enough. tough. How hard, how hard he was. And I'm, I'm glad he was like that. Uh, I, the first class I took with him, I can't remember what it was, but it was so interesting. Mm -hmm. He was funny. Mm -hmm. I understood what he was talking about. Right. I thought it was going to be the easiest <laughs> test I ever took in the blue book. I, you know, if it was a Scantron, I was lucky to get a B. Yeah. If it was a blue book, I could bullshit <laughs> my way and I could get an A. You know. And uh, I took that, and I'm walking out. You know, I'm thinking, like Ralphie, yeah. you know, the A plus, plus, yeah. plus, yeah. plus, plus. And I believe it was a, a C plus is what the grade was. I was like, what? holy hell, I got a C plus? And I, so it was a reality check. And then so after that, though, I, got a, I actually got an A on every other test from him because I just, I've studied hard. Yeah. I did, you know, and he used to, I remember he'd tell you not to, don't write can't. Or it cannot, mm -hmm. you know, and and I still think about I think about that when I'm writing every column I write. Yeah, I still think about, How about that? him saying that. Yeah, and uh, but he he would take those tests. I took he made politics of Canada an interesting class. Yeah, and I never took that class. Which but, most people wouldn't make that right, an interesting class. Right. But he would give you like he'd have like ten or twelve questions for a test, and you had to know them all. And then on the test there'd be like like eight of them exactly. or so, and you had to answer like three or four. Yes. So you could gamble, and whenever you did gamble, you knew for sure that that was going to be on the test, you know. So I used to, I studied like crazy. Like Corey Johns, you probably know Corey. Yep. We were study buddies there. I, I'd like to say I helped Corey get through the University <laughs> of Montana because I, I got him for, you know, whatever reason. We, we you know, I, he's one of my favorite professors of all time. He uh, did things the right way. Um, and what I enjoy, of course I knew Mike from a personal yeah. standpoint, right. Growing up yeah. and, um, he, it, what I enjoyed about how he would end a class, right. We'd run out of time. He would have his lecture and then he would, I don't know if he did this with you, but at least in legend the class I took, he would talk about, and he would always pick up where he left off, but he would spend 30 seconds talking about when he was a newspaper boy yeah. um, in Anaconda, getting up early, um, and would have some kind of witty comment about it, and people would laugh. And then sure enough, we'd come back two days later, we'd go through the class, let's see, I left off, and he, and he was just winging it, but he yeah. remembered. Um, yeah, yeah he smart was, guy, tragic that he died so young. Yeah, and he was Yeah, he was younger young. than my dad. My dad died yeah. when he was 57. Yeah, and he... We, uh, of course, I wrote, I was a sports editor at the Cayman when I was in oh, of course the you political class or the politics of Canada class. And I remember him talking to me about something I wrote about sportsmanship or something. So I was talking and I brought up a column, like Thomas Boswell from the, was in Washington, D.C. He was one of my favorite writers. And I bought a book for like a buck out at the used bookstore in the mall one time. And uh, I just read it and there's all kind of great columns in it, you know, just about about sportsmanship and different that. And I brought it to him and he read it and we talked about a couple of different columns after class a few times, you know, and I, I just always remember that. And then after he died, I gave, I gave that book to your dad Oh. and I marked the, the columns, which we talked about. And I don't know how, you know, your dad was, it wasn't too long before then your dad got sick. Cause he, right. when, when did he die? 
uh, 20, July 20, 2014. And then when, when, how about Mike? When Mike died when I, uh, was he t- 2000, see, I went to law, graduate law school 2006. He graduated, or he died. I graduated in 2003. I think he may have died in 2003. Oh, it was that long ago? Yeah. Okay, I was thinking it was closer, 2010. Yeah, because I think I remember I had started law school after he died. Yeah. And I think Mike, I'll never know this because he died, and I've, it's, it's just, it hasn't haunted me. That would be too strong of a word. But uh, when I was, of course, a senior, junior senior, he said, I want to you know, come to my office after class. I want to talk to you about your desire to go to law school. Yeah. I, you know, I think there could be something else you could do. And then he had a heart attack. Really? You know, days later. I wonder what so he would have said. Huh? And, I, and I, my hunch is that he wanted me to, I don't know, I'll never know this, but maybe get my Ph.D. in political science. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I went to law school. I was set. Even if he had said, I don't think you yeah. should do it, I was set. Like, no, I'm going to law. This is yeah. what I wanted to do. But maybe, maybe it would have been, hey, you should go to law. You know, good for you, go yeah. to law school. But I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, he was just a fantastic teacher. And, of course, I... A lot of the, there's a million Lazlovichs yep. from Anaconda yeah. and, uh, you know, my days, I used to, used to spend quite a bit of time at uh, the Mo Club and there was, I think, oh, almost yeah. always a Lazlovich oh, bartender. Yeah. Well, my uncle owned the Mo yeah. Club for a long time yeah, yeah. until he sold it to the Andersons. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've known the Lazloviches for, for, for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And then Tony, I, I met Tony through uh, Nicole Evans is when oh, yeah. she introduced me who's now Nicole Brower, yep. she says, you're going to love Tony. She was talking him up. And then I, I laughed and laughed. And then that may have been the year that he came up with the, the what was it, Chris Shelton spinning in his grave. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> which, which is, I'll never have a better quote than that, to say Chris Shelton was spinning in his grave, Lazovich said of the still living yes, two-time exactly, champion. Yes, exactly. He, he teased the heck out of those guys. And, and he said that because he had, he had the mic. He's holding the mic, and then he, he was just – just calling these guys out for their lame dunks, mm-hmm. you know, which I thought was funny. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, he was. It was. He I was, remember him doing the, you know. Yeah, he was kind he goes, of this organizing. Is terrible, and it was. I think that's what I wrote in the column once that it was the worst, worst dunk contest since Jimmy Sturgar won it with a layup. <laughs> which you know, Jimmy's ready to kill me for. Jimmy had some hops, so he could. He, he did. Could dunk, totally yeah. agree. Yeah, so totally. we, we teased him because it was just a hometown yes. deal, but. But he, but I remember that, and he's just telling how terrible the dunks were, and use some imaginations, and he puts the mic over and turns, talks out the side of his mouth as he says, "Chris Shelton be spinning in his grave," or I can't remember if it was spinning or rolling. Or he whatever. was in his element during that. No, he was SS having so much fun when it was at its prime. I mean, he was in his element, yeah. running the officials and being around everybody. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, I I loved it too. So, and then, and I remember too when. Uh, Remember Central and Anaconda, or Butte High and Anaconda played the girls when they were both number one, the double A and the A. Mm-hmm. And there was a call. I remember, remember Madison jumped out in front of the referee when they called. I can't remember if it was a charger block. But Maddo got a technical as the assistant coach. I think, I think Maury Cook's still ready to kill him over that. Was it my dad? Who, no, uh, your dad was sitting in the crowd. Oh. And I remember your dad sitting there, and all these Anaconda fans were yelling and screaming, and, he's, and your dad's like, hey, 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 hey. You know, it was a terrible call, right? But come on, keep it, you know, he's just, it was just to keep it in perspective kind of thing, you know? There's, and he kept that crowd in his area. He kept that Anaconda crowd a little calm. That's interesting. Uh, one thing about him that he's passed on to me, not deliberately, but when he wasn't officiating he would be he would be in generally the section but he would like to sit away from yeah. uh, folk you know the anaconda crowd in in particular um just so because you know he's yeah. ref- it's tough right you're refereeing some of the games and then 
uh, you're not. And um, especially when the, his kids were playing, you know, he wasn't refereeing. And so he would just sit away. And I have found mm -hmm. myself yeah. sitting away uh, from folks, um, you know, uh, at, at games just to avoid some of that. But one thing that he did um, when I was a, a young official, my brother, so I was a first year official, we're in Belgrade watching my brother play, who was a senior at Anaconda. And we, um, it's my dad and I and my mom, and I, I, I must not have been in school. I, well, I must have been on Christmas break. Yeah. And I remember uh, there was a block charge call that went against my brother, and it was a terrible call. And I stood up and started yelling at the, <laughs> in course, there are not a lot of people there. Yeah. And my dad grabs me. He's like, you sit down, you know, and grabs me <laughs> by the shoulder and sits me down. He's like, you're an official for God's sake. Um, and then I'm sitting there and I'm ticked off and then the, it's silence, right? The, and the, you know, they're administering the free throw okay. and the official who called the call comes over. He's the center official at the free throw line. And my dad just says, you better look at the film on that one ref, just very calmly. Really? And I thought, well, that's a good way of handling it, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, not yelling, just matter of fact. Yeah. And I'm sure that official was like, cause it was just the wrong, right? Like yeah. I told you, I mean, it, you, you make the call and you're like, uh-oh, you know, I, I messed that up. And so he just, you know, he took it to his credit and, yeah. and then away. It was we probably went. way more effective thing to say. It was way more yeah, effective. Yeah, than saying, hey, you stink. Right. Because right. <laughs> yeah. here's the thing. I think yeah. a good official, and my dad would do it, and I like to think I do it, although coaches probably don't think I do it nearly enough. Uh, admit when you're, hey, I may have yeah. made a mistake. I think yeah. that's a powerful thing uh, to uh, say to a coach. Um, or here's what I saw. The film may show differently. Yeah. Here's what I saw. And yeah. then let's talk. Um, he was really good at that. So you, uh, when your, your gig's over with the U.S. attorney job, which is pretty, pretty awesome, yeah. really. I don't, nice. I don't know if uh, it's pretty cool just to know somebody who's been nominated. And, I appreciate you know, it. Yeah, but, it's, it's, and, and I know you're going to do a great job. But when you're done, do you see yourself getting back into the politics? realm of politics running for some office i don't know i uh probably because governor mean, I, lazovich you know, has a pretty good yeah, ring to yeah it. you and my mom are the only ones who think that yeah, well your mom's a smart lady <laughs> you know, teacher you know oh, she yeah, knows exactly. what she's talking yeah, about yeah no it's a very smart lady um i don't know it's it's uh it's hard on family when you yeah. run for office uh, my not just my wife and kids but my mom and siblings i mean everybody made sacrifices yeah. and that that was really telling to me when I ran previously that uh, I thought, okay, it's, it's me. If I lose, it's on me. And my dad, especially when I lost in 2012 before yeah. he died, he was bitter. He was been, I've been yeah. three in the morning. Uh, you know, we had our election party, the yeah. primary that I lost. Um, my brother, it's, you know, he's crying and I'm consoling. Yeah. I found myself consoling uh, him. Um, because of up until that point we hadn't lost, and then you know the reality yeah. sets in, and those statewide races are different than local races, and so that weighs on me. Um, and then the other piece, too, to be candid, is just the nature of our politics right and now, uh, which it's bitter and divisive. It is, and, yeah. and I think it, it'll it'll have to mellow out. I'm hoping um, where we can actually disagree without hating uh, one yeah. another, um, and so we'll see. I mean, I, I um, uh, as I've said to people you know when you run at a young age it, and then I loved it um it it doesn't leave you and so I'm not going to do it just to do it you know just to keep doing it and be the guy who keeps running and losing like oh here's Jesse again yeah um but if the timing's right um 
not just for my family most importantly but just where the state would be then we'll see what what happens but for me for this position I, I would be thrilled if I got to do it for another 10 years you know um, that's just that's not reality um, likely so hopefully we'll just see what happens yeah I mean I, yeah. I it's the most challenging and rewarding job that uh, I've had and what I particularly love about it is it's not political I'm a okay. political appointee but I'm with the Department of Justice and we're making decisions grounded in what the law is and what the facts are um, you apply both and then you're prosecuting the case and and most importantly um, in a in a sort of corny way you know uh, making impact in terms of making yeah. people safe um, yeah. or keeping our communities safe and we have a lot of work to do of course as you know throughout the state to do that um, so yeah we'll, we'll see as, as I take this you know we'll see what 2024 brings uh, with the results and if uh, a president is reelected or if uh, uh, someone of his party is uh, elected then um, then we'll see if I get a chance to stay and if not then even even you know what this is how stubborn yeah. and stupid I am even if it's the, a Republican candidate I and I'd say hey any chance I can stay guys yeah. <laughs> you know, well it would be a nice world to live in where that would happen like the part yeah. changes the party should but you right. say hey this guy's doing a good job right you know well you just see the I mean when it comes to crime it's not really political. It's not yeah. political. It can't be political. Um, and in, in order to have, you know, for folks to have faith in the system. And so here in, you know, it's drug trafficking, human trafficking, gun violence. Yeah. I mean, they're not political. Now, there's difference in, differences in philosophy in terms of the, the sentencing piece and what our assistant U.S. attorneys are able to do for purposes of plea agreements, you know, yeah. or, you know uh, and that varies according to administration. But by and large, I mean, most of the work uh, doesn't involve the um, those differences in philosophy. It's hey, this, this here's the law. This yeah. crime was committed. We need to prosecute it. Yeah. So we'll see. And you get to wear nice suits in here. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's not uh, this off was the off, shelf this was Walmart. off the shelf. Yeah, it's very cheap. I just wear it well. Was it? Is it off the shelf? No. Because I was going to say because that it, looks it's, like it's been got, tailored. No, it hasn't actually. Really? You know where I got this was uh, Men's Warehouse. Really? Missoula. Well, you're going to um, like the way you look, I guarantee it. That's what the guy says, <laughs> that's right? right? That's no, what I'm he gonna says. I'm going to have to call him and see if he So I had a birthday recently, and I, of course, ever since I was 20, you know, had, had to wear suits. And so for me in this position, I'm going to Billings after this. Um, I, it, you know, I, in the event I'm interacting with folks who want to make, I, I just wear a suit. People in the office joke that yeah. I sleep in the suit, you know, yeah. in suits. Um, but just, um, just want to, look professional for people like yeah. you i dressed up i wore you. my dress hoodie it's a nice one from from dig I like city it. A good I like it. charlie Ordinger from dig city I know. Yeah. It's, it's sharp because i think i've uh i don't know if i've ever wore an actual suit i've wore tuxedos yeah. because you're in weddings yeah you've wore a tie a few times but yeah usually it's i, I have the same wardrobe your dad had except for a little different colors that's true jeans yeah, and hoodie exactly no it's very true in a baseball my, hat my daughter the other day said Do you have to wear a tie every day dad <laughs> Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. And initially, you know, it gets on, but then you just, you know, you, you get used, used to it. it. Would I rather be wearing a hoodie? You bet. <laughs> well, I know Rick Foote, the legendary editor of the Montana Standard, I believe, once took a decline to pay raise so he could not have to wear a tie every day to work. It, really? <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of what I'd be on, you know. Interesting. I don't know if I, my wife probably wouldn't go for that, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, 
It's just, about principles. I respect yeah, that. But I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine dressing it. That's why I don't go into politics yeah. because I don't want to have to wear. Well, a cut. I think people look down on this in politics, right? I mean, I, they yeah. you, you have some of these candidates who are dressed down, and yeah. I think people are like, oh yeah, that's someone I can resonate yeah. with. And for for me, it's um, it's just something I've been up yeah. to since I was young, right? That I, of course, when I'm working with my dad, no, yeah, um, you know, uh, even my previous job, I'd wear a suit when I had to, but not every day. And yeah. So yeah, that's even changing where. You know, Governor Schweitzer would wear jeans uh, to the yeah, office and the bolo tie, and the bolo tie right? Yeah. Um, and people liked that. Yeah, so, I think that probably helped him. Absolutely. So you have twice. someone like you know, you look at Michael, who's this stuffy elitist piece yeah. of crap. You know, yeah. um, so that's. Part and you of don't it. even have the the political Amer- American flag I lapel pin. I don't wear yeah, pins. Yeah, <laughs> which <laughs> is the silly. I, 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 I always thought that is silly. It's like, oh, you, you're not a patriot unless you have I a know. pin on your shirt. So yeah. people, uh, when I first in the legislature, you know, you get all these pins, right? You have folks who have their own organization yeah. pin, whatever. And oh, here's the flag. Here's the state of Montana flag. You wear yeah. this. And I found myself, okay, I'll put this on. And then it got to be a pain, and I'm like, why am I wearing pins? Yeah, I'm an American. Yeah. I'm, I love this country, right? I don't need a pin to show people that I love the country. It's through actions. So, yeah, interesting yeah. of you to notice. Yeah. Well, in your actions, I can speak for you. You helped my son, Grady, when we were going through his medical ordeal, you know, in which now he's doing terrific, by which the way. Which brings you know? me joy. Because, you know, two years ago, he was. we thought we might be headed towards a wheelchair, and now mm-hmm. I get to go watch him play on the football which team. Which is incredible. Freshman, so. And you told me you wanted him to play like Jair Alexander and uh, Kenny Clark, you know, these Packer studs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I know you said he wasn't fast. He's but, not fast, But no. he can still. He, uh, what was the big guy for the Packers who uh, used to do the shovel? Yeah. The Gilbert the, Brown. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the grave digger. Yeah, the grave yeah. digger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe like that. He's a bigger kid, so he's, uh, you know, 200-pound freshman. But uh, how great is that? But he's uh, he's playing and and he's he gets mad when he doesn't uh, play as much as he wanted to, you know, or you know some other kids playing starting ahead of him. I'm like, hey, you're you're playing. If you make as much progress as you did in two years, by the time you're senior, you'll be all state. Good for you. You know, so it's, I'm, it's I'm just happy advice. to see him play and uh, hopefully he sticks with it. But I I just know you helped us a ton. Yeah. You know, when the insurance well, companies were giving us a hard time, I I don't know exactly what you did, but all of a sudden just, I was getting them calling me. The people just I could never get on the phone ma- yeah. were calling Which me. Which it shouldn't be so, that way, yeah. right? It's frustrating. But, um, and you, you're you able to streamline things with the work, yeah. you know, and the relationships uh, that you've built over the years. But it really is frustrating. Yeah. It shouldn't have to take a call yeah. like, hey, will you call us? This is this is one of your insureds uh, who's having issues. Yeah. Uh, they can't figure out what's going on uh, with uh, Grady. And um, and so, yeah, that was it was really, yeah. really simple. Um yeah. But uh, I'm glad. I'm elated. Things yeah. are well, we'll going be, really we'll, well. We'll always be grateful for what you did do for it, my family. Do it every day. I appreciate and, it. Uh, and I, pre- I know you've, you've got an insanely busy job now, a lot of well, hours, so I appreciate you taking this. Your, well, I, you're in Helena, right? Is that what you're I'm in Helena. Is, uh, so. Yeah, lots of – I tell people my office is essentially is, the, is my vehicle yeah. traveling all over the place, yeah. uh, which I don't mind. Um, it strains my wife yeah. and, and kids, uh, but I think they like me being gone, even though they tell me they don't. <laughs> they don't. But um, I was genuinely looking forward to this and yeah. want you to know um, how much uh, I look up to you and um, appreciate the work you do. Yeah. Uh, you are quintessentially what's good about this community. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I, and again, I thanks for coming over. It's, a, it's only an hour drive, but 
It's fun to meet medals. Easy. Abs- Way better absolutely. to meet medals than to- in the law office in, in, Illinois, in, right? a, in the federal courthouse. Exactly. <laughs> this this is way better. Uh, and yeah, not an issue whatsoever. It's always. All good right. We'll, take, we'll have to do this again one more time. Down I the hope road. so. Absolutely. All right. Thank well, you. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Proud to be from Utah, America, USA.